The views depicted in this material are for information purposes only and are not necessarily those of Satera Advisor Networks, LLC. They should not be considered specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Neither Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor any of its representatives may give legal or tax advice. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another installment of Wealth Insights with Mitch Silberman. I'm your host, Ryan Ruff. It's great to see you. Great to have you back with us on the show. Of course, I've got Mitch Silberman, the star of our show, standing by. He'll be joining me momentarily. Uh, but look, first and foremost, I want to kind of set the scene for as to what you can expect on today's conversation and today's episode. Now, as you know, Mitch and I have covered a handful of different strategies that he incorporates within his wealth management business, and we've been flirting with this concept and these conversations surrounding the family dynamic when it comes to wealth. But today we're going to dive into really the first topic that we feel is a good way to kind of get into this overall family dynamic because it really encompasses a lot of the different elements that we're going to be chatting about in future conversations surrounding family wealth. So big picture here, let's think about this. One of the biggest concerns that are facing affluent families today is how to manage their wealth so it achieves a few different goals, right? The first is continuing to grow that wealth. The second being aligning that wealth and using that wealth to make sure that it achieves the goals and aspirations set forth by the family. And then of course, the third and final goal is to make sure that that wealth isn't taken unjustly from the family. And often the best place to start by, you know, acknowledging these three really key elements in, in managing wealth is to really make sure that the whole family is on the same page when it comes to these three elements and, and the key decision makers uh, all aligned when it comes to these key issues. So that being said, let's go ahead and bring Mitch out to get the conversation going and kind of take a dive into this, what can be kind of a complicated conversation. So Mitch, how's it going? Good to see you today. Always great to be here, Ryan. So, hey, great to always have you, Mitch. Uh, and and I'm, I'm excited about today's conversation because, yes, we're going to dive into the family dynamic a little bit. So let's get it going today by uh, I'll have I'll ask you, you know, in your experiences, Mitch, what kind of unique challenges tend to arise when families with significant assets attempt to work together to manage their collective wealth? What do you see on this front? Well, I love what you said. Unique challenges. They are unique. Mm -hmm. um, you know, listen, if you've done well for yourself, you've worked hard, you've taken risk, you've saved, you've accumulated well, that's fantastic. When you have children, they, you know, one of the reasons children are so happy is because they're financially independent, right? There's food in the fridge, there's electricity, there's water, there's cars, they don't understand these things. But as they get older, it's really crucial that you have an open dialogue. Uh, because I think it was Warren Buffett that said something to the effect of, I want to give my kids enough money that they can do something, but not enough money that they can do nothing. And the question is, how much money is enough to ruin a young person's life? So it really begins with communication. Uh, it's a very touchy subject, but you got to start young talking to the children. And, they'll, and eventually they'll realize, hey, our house is bigger than everyone else's, or we go on fancy vacations that others don't. So having this open communication and understanding from their point of view, it's all new to them. They don't understand money. They don't understand mm -hmm. wealth and taking risks and having it available. So it really begins with open communication. So Mitch, are there any specific wealth related issues that you see that, that tend to arise more with families that have significant assets more so than I, I don't like to use this expression, but the average Joe family, do you find that there are specific wealth related issues with those that have significant assets? 
There are. I, I had a client many years ago. He and his wife grew up with nothing and they became very successful. I would say their net worth was probably in the $25 million range. And it was a challenge with their three kids because the kids are like, well, we can afford a plane. Why aren't, why aren't we getting one? We can afford to do this. We can, and these are legitimate questions from young children. And the parents were struggling. They said, you know, when we grew up and had nothing, of course, our parents shared everything with us because they had nothing too, right? But now we, you know, they are, um, the, the children are natives to wealth, whereas the parents are immigrants to wealth. And so uh, it, it really is the open communication. It's tell, a, a sense of gratitude, you know, that we, we have done well mm -hmm. and it's incumbent upon us to be good stewards, to be generous, to make sure we make intelligent choices with our money and avoid common costly mistakes because becoming wealthy is no guarantee you're going to stay wealthy. Uh, history sure. is filled with people who made it and lost it many times over, uh, celebrities, athletes. So it really is not just passing on your valuables to your children, but your values. Sure. So let's get into the nitty gritty of the conversation here today, Mitch. And, and what can families do really to create and then, of course, maintain more harmonious relationships and situations where, you know, attitudes and goals are aligned when it comes to, you know, the family's wealth so that everybody's kind of working well together and understands, you know, each other's positioning on where that wealth should be allocated moving forward throughout life. For some families, it's very powerful to have a written document, whether it's called a family constitution or any other name you want to give it, where you're really setting forth the roles and responsibilities and the goodwill, the values, the goals, the expectations. It's having it written down. It may seem overboard, but we all know of people who grew up with uh, wealth. In fact, there's one famous court case that was called affluenza. They coined that phrase and the lawyer won. But the point is that if you can start early with open communication, start with a written document, for whatever reason, the way we're wired, Ryan, when we see things in writing, we know it's true. It's kind of mm -hmm. funny. That's just the way human beings are wired. So if you can start putting in writing and, and also getting interaction, you want the children to have buy-in to understand what's going on, not a dictation of we have money and this is what we expect. It's it, It's got to be more collaborative, more inclusive, um, making sure the children understand the need for these things. And as they get older, you can even have regularly scheduled meetings, whether it's just the family or the family and an outside advisor so that kind of oversees this whole uh, project. Mm -hmm. But it's got to be an ongoing thing. So the children are being raised in the right way with this wealth that they're born into. Sure. So I want to unpack this a little bit. How does this this document, this family constitution you mentioned, it promote those better relationships specifically when it comes to the wealth? Because obviously, as, as we've talked about in past episodes, family wealth, this can be a little bit of a sticky situation, especially when yeah. family members are not aligned with how that wealth should be spent and allocated. So how does this document kind of bring everybody on the same page? Well, I think uh, what children want to see, if, if there's more than one child, of course, is that everyone's treated fairly and, and pretty much equally. What you really want to avoid is they love you more, they love me less. So if, it's, if these are rules and guidelines and regulations and expectations that are for everybody and you get buy-in, and it's okay if the children have questions like, wait a minute, why, dad, why do we want to do that? Or mom, why is that put in there? You're, you're really creating an incredible foundation and an education about family values, cohesiveness, expectations, um, hard work, you know, not having an attitude of um, entitlement. Uh, entitlement is a very corrosive uh, emotion. 
not only for society, but for individuals. And some of these children that grow up with wealthy parents, sometimes through no fault of their own, they, they don't understand risk-taking and hard work and um, holding back and charity. Charity is a big thing too. I think if you can build charity into this family constitution, um, it's, it's huge, helping them take care of others and find causes that they care about. I love this. It really serves as this overall framework for how the family, you know, obviously in a written form to show how the family really cares about their wealth, how they want to allocate it. And that there are lessons to be learned with, you know, the family's youth to be trickled down. I really love what this document stands for. And for those that are watching right now, Mitch and, and listening, if this is something that's resonating with them and they're interested in this process, how would somebody go about drafting this family constitution so that it does achieve, you know, those, the, the, you know, the goals and outcomes that they desire? Well, there's a lot of ways to do that. You know, I, I have a funny saying that, you know, who knows? Google knows uh, or whatever search engine you like. So that's an easy thing. You can start there and say, you know, family constitution or, um, you know, fam guidelines for written rules of how to, to, you know, raise wealthy children. You can Google and search for things. I think if, if you're a if you're a family of wealth, it would behoove you to bring in an expert, bring in someone that can help guide you through it. I, I give a very easy example. Everyone watching this broadcast, everyone on the planet knows how you lose weight, right? You eat less and you exercise more. No one's going to hear me say that and say, wait, wait, say that again. I want to write that down. Okay. We all know that. Yet the weight loss industry is a multi-billion dollar uh, industry for a reason. We need help. We need guidelines. We need guidelines. And it's almost like if you were lost in a forest, would you want someone to say, hey, here's a compass and a map. Good luck. Or do you want a guide, a trusted guide who says, take my hand, I've been here before, I'm going to get you through this. So I think a great place to start, like we all do, is search online. But then ultimately, if you want to do it right, if it's your family, your family's wealth, the future of your children, you bring in someone like myself or somebody who's going to help guide the family. I do it very regularly. I love meeting with my clients' children, whether they're five years old or 25 years old or teenagers. Mm -hmm. uh, and many times the parents want the kids to hear it from their wealth advisor because they don't want to hear it from mom and dad. Sure. But somehow they'll respect this third party, this independent advisor who's educating them on the importance of being a good steward of your wealth. Sure. And Mitch, I like that you brought up how, you know, in some instances, kids are brought in for these meetings so that they do hear it okay. from a third party. So I want to get into the who now of the family constitution, who from a given family should be involved in, in discussing what these issues look like on the family constitution. And then who should be involved in the, you know, the creating and the drafting of this, this document. Well, the meeting in a word would be everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you want to include, even if the kids say, mom, dad, I don't care about this stuff. It's like, yes, you do. Or you, you will trust me. You will, uh, you know, when you want to be able to go to the college of your choice or live where you want to live or choose a career of your choice, these are things that are going to impact you the rest of your life. And you can tell them we're grateful. We did well. We took a chance or we inherited money or we, we took risks and, and we, we've done well and we want to pass that on to you. Okay, so you want everyone involved. You want everyone's buy-in. Someone can take the lead. Usually, the mom or the dad can take the lead on drafting it or working with an advisor to draft the document. But you want the kids. It could be um, once a year, guys. We're all going to have a retreat. It could even be a retreat. It doesn't even have to be at someone's office or even in your home. It could be very beneficial to say once a year we're going to go away for a retreat. And one day or half a day on this retreat, we're going to discuss the family constitution, the family wealth, the family values, um, goals, expectations. I think it's very healthy and very powerful. 
I would agree. And, and Mitch, one question that, you know, just popped up it, it, that I know it, it begs to be asked is how, how formal are these family constitutions? Are these legal documents or are they more of a set of guidelines and recommendations? You know, Ryan, I'm sure they could be both, but I think it's more the latter. I don't think it's mm -hmm. a legal document. You're not getting attorneys involved and sign, but I think to have it more as guidelines is this is what we value as a family. This is what we're doing as a family. We want everyone involved. This could have repercussions for generations to come. In fact, books that I've read have said that throughout all human history, no matter what time period, no matter what continent, no matter what race, race, religion, ethnicity, historically, there's uh, what is it? Uh, short, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations, meaning grandma or grandpa comes from the old country, broke and penniless. They make it big. Their kids grow up wealthy, and then the third generation blows it all. Uh, there are so many books on this. It is repetitive. It is consistent, and you want to avoid that. And it's the majority. I mean, over 80% mm -hmm. goes from poor to wealthy to poor again, and usually three or four generations. And you just don't want that to happen. Sure. And that's why one of those key goals that we mentioned at the beginning is is really to make sure the, the wealth is you know, stays within the family that, you know, it's sure. protected ultimately. Um, another question that I have for you is, is really pertains to the ongoing maintenance really of the document, mm -hmm. because, Hey, as we know, every year, every day of our lives, circumstances change, goals can change the way a family views their wealth can change. So what, what advice might you have for a, for a, a family that, uh, you know, can they can implement to make sure that the document remains relevant and it's adhered to over time as things are obviously going to change. You're exactly right, Ryan. I think we are living in an unprecedented, unprecedented time of uh, social, political, and economic uncertainty. And I think at least annually, annually is is ideal because things change. Listen, uh, if you were a successful restaurant owner for the last twenty years. This past year and a half, your restaurant may not exist anymore, or you may be fighting for bankruptcy. Um, so fortunes have changed so dramatically this last year and a half. And I'll tell you what, if you have a family constitution and you meet regularly and tragedy does befall economically, the children are better prepared because of these family meetings, because of the guidance of an advisor, because of the values and the expectations and the goals that have been shared annually in this family constitution. So you're not only better preparing to preserve the wealth and pass it on, but probably deal with adversity if and when that should occur too. Mitch, I love this conversation for a lot of reasons, primarily the education effort that happens with the younger generation of a given family. Obviously, it's got to start somewhere, and this mm -hmm. is a great way for it to be laid out in in a framework, you know, written document. As you mentioned, for whatever reason, we tend to make sure that things stick in our mind when it's written on a piece of paper, and, and this is a great way of going about that. So, Mitch, to, as we kind of bring our conversation to a head here, could you kind of maybe in closing summarize for us just some of the key reasons that popped at the top? of your head as to why an affluent family should be considering a family constitution today, given everything happening in our world? Well, you know, it's just as I've been saying, there's so much uncertainty right now. And certain people and families have had very hard times this past year and a half, and others have prospered financially beyond their wildest dreams. And in either case, the family needs to know we're in this together. If we've done well, Let's preserve it. Let's pass it on. Let's share it with charitable donations. Picking, that's another big thing. 
ask the kids at a young age, what are causes you care about? And how much should we donate to them? Would you like to donate some of your own money and some of the family money? Get them involved doing the homework on these charities that really deserve to be supported. So if you can educate your children in a, in a gentle way that we are wealthy, we're fortunate, because a lot of people, they'll grow up saying, I had no idea we were this wealthy. And they have mixed feelings about it. Like, do we deserve this wealth? How is it fair that we have this wealth and others don't have this wealth? So the more you can get them to engage in the conversation, and we've also heard about stories where mom and dad pass away, and the kids have no idea how much money is there. They just don't know because money is taboo. It's never discussed. It is a sensitive topic. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But it's part of what makes the family have potentially a really meaningful life of significance together. So it's got to be discussed. It's got to be in writing. You got to get buy-in. You got to get everyone involved, and you got to do it regularly. Mitch, I, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, this show right here is about strategies for, you know, helping a family pursue that amazing life of significance that we talk so much about on this show. So having a formal document like this family constitution that really outlines the goals, the guidelines, the, the key issues facing a family's wealth is only going to benefit everybody in the family. So I appreciate you taking some time to chat with us about this today. And, and Mitch, my final question to you in closing is if somebody's interested in this conversation and they want to reach out to you to start this conversation, at least just to start the conversation about it themselves, how should somebody go about getting a hold of you? Well, pretty easy. Uh, the website, which is being revamped as we speak, is called www.silbermanwealth.com. That's S like Sam, I-L, B as in billion, E-R-M-A-N, wealth.com, silbermanwealth.com. I'm also on social media, but I love having this discussion with you. My goal is to, to chat with people and improve your situation, whether or not we work together. I always want to add value. And if you allow me, I'll talk about this all day because I, this is one of the reasons I was put on this planet to do this for a limited number of families, helping them make intelligent choices with their money and avoiding common costly mistakes. And of course, living their amazing life of significance. Well, Mitch, we so appreciate it. I know you and I have some more family dynamic conversations that are, are coming in, you know, in future episodes, but I appreciate you taking some time today to, to walk us through the family constitution. My pleasure. And look, of course, as always, we want to take a quick moment to thank you, our audience, for tuning into another episode today. If you liked what you saw, you liked what you heard, please comment, subscribe to the show, share this information with friends and family. These are wealth insights, again, strategies that we want to help share from Mitch's experiences in the wealth management industry to help put you on that path to an amazing life of significance. And we've got some great content coming your way in episodes to come that we don't want you to miss out on. So for Mitch Silberman, I'm Ryan Ruff saying so long, and we thank you so much for joining us on today's edition of Wealth Insights. Registered Principal of and Securities and Advisory Services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, doing insurance in CA as CFGAN Insurance Agency, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, a broker dealer and registered investment advisor, Advisory services also offered through Silberman Wealth Strategies Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Satera is under separate ownership from any other named entity. CA Insurance License Number OB24856. Registered Branch Address 2945 Townsgate Road, Suite 200 in Westlake Village, California, 91361.